Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. I told you that one of the things that makes One Rental at a Time channel wonderful is we have obviously amazing guests and contributors and the millionaires make this show go. But in reality, I actually find it's where we disagree that is most interesting because we have respect and we don't sling mud at each other. We listen, we ask questions. And on occasion, we pivot and change our minds, but most of the time we're like, nope, we, we just disagree. So what the reason we wanted to have this discussion is we're going to highlight three topics where the three amigos disagree. And we really want to highlight this because all three of us plus Millennial Mike will be hosting the event on Sunday from eight to 11. That's really meant to allow you to ask your questions. And again, don't be surprised if we disagree. But before we get into the three topics, let's welcome the gentleman to the show. Lumberjack, how you doing? I'm doing super awesome. Excited to be disagreeing with you guys today. <laughs> that's very easy for you. I think that's your natural state. <laughs> We start from a place of no, maybe. No, yeah, there you go. And Dion, you're in the states, so welcome home. Howdy, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm I'm excited to be home, back where people are just mildly depressed instead of you know disagreeably weird. <laughs> but I'm excited about this because there are some topics, and definitely more than three. We're going to cover three in this video, but there's more than three things where we disagree, and we can do it professionally. We can kind of say, "I see yeah. your point of view. Here's why I do it differently." And and the anytime we have these topics that come up, and we've done it a few times on at least one of these, there are comments that come up where they really want to agree with one side and point out the flaw on the other. And the event on Sunday is going to be an opportunity for people to do that in person. Yes. Literally go. say, you have a point, but let me point out all the reasons why Matt's wrong. Yeah. Just in case anybody <laughs> was looking for some verbiage. Yeah, so uh, I actually want to give full credit to the gentleman who created these topics. Dion, you you obviously put this together. So why don't you lead this conversation? Okay, so the the first topic is one uh, I'm comfortable bringing up because I'm the outlier. I'm the 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 person that uh, is probably wrong, right? But I'm confident in what I chose to do, and that is the way we chose to reach financial freedom and build wealth. There's two, you know, there's there's three main paths, grow a business, invest in stocks, or choose real estate. And in real estate or stocks or business, there's thousands of ways. When it comes to real estate investing, the two main paths when it comes to how you grow your portfolio is either to recycle capital. That is where you uh, let multiple forms of compound interest benefit your growth of your portfolio so that you can use a HELOC, a, a RELOC, um, uh, cash out refinance, a second mortgage, uh, sell for 1031 or sell your primary and, and use the IRS 121 rule to not pay taxes and redeploy the funds and grow a portfolio like you guys did. Over 100 units each, um, multiples of my cash flow. And then the other form of growing your portfolio is what I chose, which was recycling cash flow. So I've never taken out equity because to me, equity is the ability to add debt to an existing asset. And one of the main reasons I know that we disagree on this is because in 2021, when interest rates were 3%, mm -hmm. I have one paid off property, the rest have mortgages. And 
both of you suggested that I get a mortgage, at least a 50% LTV on that. So I would have the, the dry powder that it takes to be ready for the deals that are coming. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad this is the first one. Um, and I, I want to kind of lead off that there is no right or wrong. There's just the path we've chosen. I think, I think I, both. I disagree. Paths, uh, that's okay. Good. We all disagree then. Uh, I do think one path, um, I think one path adds a little bit more risk, right. To the equation. Sure. Uh, the other path maybe has less risk, but clearly is slower, but I don't mm -hmm. think either one's right or wrong. We are actually proof that either path works. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think that's really cool, but yeah, I, I, I think we did more than recommend. I think we razzed, we tried to embarrass, um, shame, shame mm -hmm. that, and again, right. The, the idea was, okay, you know, I'm just going to use round numbers. You got a 400 K asset, go get 200 of it, sit on it for a while at 3%. Oh, by the way, you could have that money earning interest in a bank today at 5%. So clearly it was the right answer, uh, at least from a math perspective. But again, if your thing is equity and all of that, then then it wasn't right for you. Um, I still sit here today saying it was without question the right idea, but you probably sit there going, no, I'm, I'm, I like where I'm at. So it's, it's cool. So it's really fun how my brain kind of noodles on this and like, why wouldn't you do that? It's just like dead equity there. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at, but yeah, I, I definitely recycled capital cash out refis, 1031 exchanges. Um, I've definitely slowed down as we've kind of left the W2, but um, that was definitely a part part for me. So uh, Matt, what do you think about this one? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I think we do what's right for our personalities and what our goal was. Um, you know, Dion was, uh, I'm, I guess the right way to say it is finished raising kids. Um, you know, and so they're there, they were in their twenties. And so he's kind of like, Hey, so we can kind of do this and like build my portfolio. And the only person that has to support is me, you know, and his, his lavish traveling, uh, uh, itineraries. Um, but I think that, I think that that's the key. And so, you know, when I was going into it, I was like waiting to start a family and building my businesses and building my career and doing those things and putting my wife through nursing school. And so when I finished all of that, it was like, okay, then we sped up our process, but I recognized that I was only entering into that phase where now I've got a five-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and that's a lot. And they're expensive. Um, they like to eat a third of anything I serve them. Um, and so, you know, when Dion says he became an amazing cook, it was because he had four people that ate different things. Um, and so I become the human garbage compactor and eating whatever they left. Um, but that's, you know, for, for me, it was like looking at those things and recognizing, okay, time horizon wise, I'm at the beginning of my journey from a fatherhood perspective. And so I'm going to have to pay for all of these things and I'm not going to have a job while they're growing up. So yeah. I knew I was going to have to have a bigger, a bigger nut to, to kind of work from. Um, and, and that was okay. But the only way that I could do that was recycling capital, creating relationships with banks, um, you know, doing some of the things that we did that were different because the end result was going to be a whole lot bigger. And even, you know, in Dion and I see it like he's seen almost no good deals in a year and a half, you know, and it's like, so I had to add them when I can add them. 
And mm -hmm. I went on a buying spree because I was getting dead at 3.75 and four. And so I purposely rec you know, recycled capital, recycled cash. We went all into the strategy because I knew what the other side was going to look like. I knew that rates weren't going to stay at 3.75 or four. We knew that they were going to six or seven or eight, and then that banks were going to de-risk. So they weren't going to do 20% down payments anymore. They were going to be 30, you know, and everything was going to get more expensive. And then there was going to be that much less coming on the market because people were buying it. 2.75, three, three and a half. So, yeah. you know, in looking at all those situations, thankfully we guessed pretty right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just yeah. the difference of the strategy of what my requirement was to be able to reach financial freedom versus Dion's. Yeah. So one more thing on my end, and then we'll go to Dion and kind of, I, I just want to ask him one question, but really for me, it was, uh, I was playing the game of monopoly. And at least when I play the yes. game of monopoly, the first couple of properties I get aren't the ones I generally have near the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, it was an intention. In fact, one of the things I'm looking at now, 22 years in, is potentially 1031ing out of 50 year old homes into brand new homes. Why? Because, you know, yes, the, the yield may be a lot less, but the, you know, the management headache or whatever may be different. So uh, for me, the game of Monopoly is played by moving, trading, all of that. At least that's how I play Monopoly. Mm -hmm. I don't buy the first eight properties and never do anything because I don't think that's how you win. Uh, but Dion, it's obviously been a couple of years. Uh, I think mathematically you would agree we were right. You 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 could have done a fifty percent LTV and and made that profitable. But I get the feeling you were happy as a clam not doing it. So how do you sit? So so two things on that, um, and I I look forward to the event so people can ask questions because right now I wonder what the people watching are thinking on who's right or wrong. First, Matt nails it with what's your goal, the size yeah. of your outcome. Yeah. Second, I raised three kids without ever making above $50,000 ever yeah. before one of them turned 18. Yeah. They survived. The ones yeah. who wanted to went to college, right? <laughs> they were healthy. They had healthcare. They had housing. They had transportation. They they didn't go to Disneyland every year, but we did have, you know, we lived on a lake. We had sea dues. We had everything that they would need. And, and so now I have $17,000 a month coming in, which is three times what I've ever made before my kids turned 18. So the goal of Matt wanting to provide his kids more than what he had when he was young is the thing that makes Matt need to have the bigger portfolio. Yeah. And I like Bruce Lee's quote of don't give your kids the things you never had, teach them the things you never knew. Mm -hmm. um, so also, had I taken out that loan and I decreased the, the spread between my mortgage payments and my monthly cash flow, mm -hmm. write this down, not you guys, but people watching, <laughs> I would still be working. No, you missed that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One it's deal? That confidence of it hitting four wow. times my monthly expenses okay. that made me go, I don't ever need to work again. I can walk away from a six-figure job as I'm pretty sure I actually made a bet with you guys. We are heading into a recession. Mm -hmm. Still walked away because of that gap. Had I taken out the money, it would be sitting in the bank because I still haven't found the deal since 2021 that made it worth jumping on. Nice. I haven't really okay. needed to. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm getting about 4% on the money in the bank. So I'd be making more than the 3% loan would have cost me on the house, but I'd still be working. Mm. You Emotion win. Emotionally. You'd still be working. Emotionally. Yeah, exactly. Emotionally. So, not, not, not financially, emotionally. I want to help the, uh, the video move along here and, and, and change who we're attacking. So Fair enough. Uh, there is a hidden cost <laughs> to property management. Oh yeah. That most people who it's have property managers, it's not hidden. <laughs> they use a Jedi mind check on themselves and they go, it's just a percentage of monthly. It's only like 10 or 8%. Mm -hmm. It's not that much, but that's like 
50% of your profit. They're making yeah, as much right. money as the owner does in most cases. So now we're going to turn the tables, Matt and I, mm -hmm. self-manage our properties in Zuber. Yeah. Okay. Uh, writes a six-figure monthly check. I do. To property management. To, so that you don't have to deal with the issues that me and Matt happily do. I, I did the math the just, other day. I just, I just want to be clear. It's, it's, it's not six. So it's not six figure property management check a month. It's over a year. I just did the oh, math okay. in my head. It's like, I'll do the math when I come up. I'll get, I'll give you the number. I'll have, the, okay. I'll have the number ready when I talk. So it's the okay. monthly thing that you pay for their fee. It's the fee that you pay for tenant turnovers, which is on top of that monthly fee. And then it's the upcharge when they dispatch a handyman or contractor to handle a deal where they're charging you a different amount than what you're actually paying. Like there's a, there's several ways they roll into a profitable business mm -hmm. and they earn mm -hmm. it. They actually earn Absolutely. the money. You don't have a problem with property managers. Yep. It's, it's, uh, and, and then the size of your portfolio means maybe it makes sense, but to get there, I make about $1,450 per hour that I self-manage my properties. Matt, yep. what's your opinion on property management? Um, I don't like it. Um, I think that, I think for me, because it was something where if you do it remote, like Mike does have to have a property, largely have to have a property manager, or at least somebody that you can tap on the shoulder with regularity you know, and that's tough to manage a portfolio of 187. Like you kind of have to be with a big shop that has a lot of expensive assets, cars, trucks, employees, licenses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where, that's where it's one of those things where I love the time that we spend together because while we disagree and we have different strategies, we all got to the same point, which is we do whatever we want. Yeah. And so I think that on the, on the property management side of things, being close checking in on my deals, understanding the construction trade. I know that I save myself tens of thousands of dollars a year, not even just on the maintenance side, but just when we're rehabbing a unit. When, when I'm walking a unit and I'm like, nope, that's wrong. Nope. I want that change. Nope. I'm seeing the flow of this. Now we need to pull that. We need to take that away. That when we had the year where Eliana was sick, that made my life really hard because everything was via a zoom call and I couldn't get, I'm a big feel guy when I get into my units and I'm like, I want, I want, I want to curate this experience. And that's not what I'm getting based on what, what decisions are being made here. So I think that, you know, so I totally see it for millennial Mike too, like, you know, 2000 miles away. Yeah, I get it. It makes sense. That was why that was kind of what birthed my course was how can you do all that stuff, but still remotely and do it for far less money? Because the problem is, is most people don't know. And it's not that a lot of, there's a fair share of property managers that are not 100% truthful. Oh, for sure. And when you're looking at the construction numbers, you're just like, how the hell did that cost that? That can't have cost that. And I can tell you it didn't, it didn't cost that. They were able to charge you that because you don't know what you're doing. And because you don't understand what that actually should cost, you know? And so I've fired people when they've given me, you know, when they've just said, well, you know, that, that was $3,000. I was like, okay, walk me through it. What are you making 300 bucks an hour now? Did you just mm -hmm. file some legal brief? I was unaware of like, it right. doesn't make any sense. And so there's not just the ability to do that work yourself. It's understanding how much everything costs. And that's where it really comes to kind of like optimization of the portfolio. But in Mike's case, yeah, I get it. When you're that big and on top of that, you're still doing a W-2 job. 
I get that. There's no way around it. You're making more money on your W-2. If, if you're making more money on your W-2, then you are paying for property management. And that's where your skill set is, is in your W-2 and not property management. Then that's a sound investment. That's an investment that you have to make for growth. Yeah. So I, I did the math. It's over $11,000 a month goes to property management. And to your guys's point, I'm sure there are, it, it's probably 20 grand a month, maybe 18 grand a month when, when, if I could do it myself and, you know, save costs here or there. And because again, it's not their money, even though I've known these people for 10 plus years and I think they get it. I might be treated better than most, but not perfect. I am sure. Um, it, it, it's hard to argue. It's the right decision today for me to me and Olivia to have property management. So I, it's, it's irrelevant. I actually want to go back to the beginning because we've had property management since we just had Norris Drive. That's a far more interesting discussion. Yeah. And you guys are absolutely right. You know, roughly speaking, Norris Drive that first year, uh, let's say made 150 bucks a month, maybe 125, something like that. But, you know, I think property management back in the day, I think they were, I think I was paying 10%. So they were making 110 bucks. So it was roughly, to Dion's excellent point, it was 50% of my profit. And it was 50% of our profit per unit for the first eight. Mm -hmm. So absolutely right. Um, but kind of to, to Matt's point, uh, I didn't have an option. Yeah. Right? Uh, the market I chose was two and a half hours away by driving. It was a market where I knew no one. Uh, unlike these two guys, I have no experience fixing things. Right? It's not, it's not where my experience lies. And, um, it just, it just, I, if, if I didn't have property management from day one, I wouldn't be here today. I'd still be working kind of right. to Dion's point in video yep. one, I'd still be working. I'd, I'd be having a commission sales job. I'd be first or second line. I'd be humping it on airplanes still. It would not be what I would want for myself. So it wasn't an option. And then finally on this, because of how I evaluate deals, one of the things with between kind of Matt and I is he mathematically could have got done faster, right? We talk about recycling capital. And one of the reasons I had to be in the game 15 years versus 10 is because I fucking had to pay for that 12,000, that $15,000 in property management fee. Uh -huh. I just had to do it longer. Uh -huh. And again, it doesn't make it right or wrong, but it was right for us. We didn't have an option. Right. It, we, we just, we didn't have an option. And that just means I had to buy better. I had to be, I had to recycle capital because I had to get bitter, that bigger. If I was getting 200 bucks a door, I'm just making these up. And Dion gets 400 a door because he sells manages. He doesn't need as many doors. Right. And oh, by the way, I'm going to guess my lifestyle is a little higher than Dion. So, I mean, my numbers get bigger and it's just, I had to get to a much, much bigger number. It took longer. It wasn't like, it just is what it is, but uh, I wouldn't change it today. And then today, I know Dion spends almost no time on his portfolio. Uh, we're right there with him. It's 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 embarrassing how little time we spend on it, and you know the cash flow is you know significantly higher even after paying twelve or eighteen or whatever it is a month. Um, but it it just it's I didn't have a choice. Right or wrong is is irrelevant. It's I just didn't have a choice. There are plenty of times where it makes sense to have a property manager. Your your work schedule, the distance, um, the couple elements we left out were, uh, do you have a backbone or too big of a heart? Either one of those. Heart, heart. yeah, heart's the big, oh, big one. Yeah. Too big of a heart, right? Or uh, if you have the binder strategy where you get your tenants to ask you to raise the rent, it's a lot easier to do that sure. through text or email from yourself or in person than it is to 
find a property manager who's willing to let you educate them on how this works, right. which made it easier to find cash flowing deals on the MLS. Uh, but all three of us can disagree on that. All three of us hit the end result we were looking for. Um, again, what I'm looking forward to is in that event, the people who ask questions at these different points on things that I know it's just kind of driving somebody crazy that's watching this. So oh, but what about this thing? So the, the third one where we spin the tables one more time is, and I want to be as nice as I can. And I don't want to be attacky as I attack Matt. I don't care. But the Bring it on. absolute insanity yes. of self-managing $600,000 in rehabs at one time working yes. a full-time job while raising three kids five and under yes um and being married like like having all of that to put together and and wanting to self-manage your own rehab so so i get with mike i uh with property management you know you 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 are met you're you're deciding what to do here but you're not out there i've seen videos with matt out there with hammer with millennial mike shaking in the cold because it was three <laughs> degrees out it's true it happened it was... i've never done a rehab that's to the point of i don't want to self-manage my own rehabs it's i buy properties that are rent ready or already occupied because i don't want to do that and mike has teams of people yeah mm -hmm. yep so mike how come you what what motivates you to have teams of people to do this instead of be as hands-on as matt is it really boils down to time and what I choose to do in my life, right? I, I I certainly can learn. I certainly have done handy things. It's just I don't find that enjoyable, and I would rather do other things. And I'd rather pay people to do what they're remarkably good at, uh, you know, kind of measure twice, cut once, kind of thing. And I don't mind. I don't mind people making a profit on me, right? I I probably employ. I don't know, probably there's probably 10 to 12 people in Fresno that make the majority of their yearly income in, with our portfolio because they've earned that trust and respect and they do favors when I need them and, I, and I'm happy to pay it. I have no problem with people making a profit and taking on things I don't want. I, I've always said I do two things well and I just focus on that and that is finding deals and securing capital. And I make plenty of margin doing those two things that I don't need to squeeze margin elsewhere. Could I squeeze margin by doing being my own GC? Of course I could. Would it be fun for me? No. Do I need the extra five grand? No. So it's a quality of life decision. And with me, before we let Matt talk about <laughs> the, the, all the actual real benefits to the way you do it, I totally understand. I'm I'm with Mike on I've I've got a couple usually around three but I have two handymen primarily that I hire for things I could absolutely go do myself. Yeah. One was switch out a ceiling light and paint the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Like that would have taken maybe an hour even getting materials. I'd rather give five hundred bucks and ended up being like two hundred and thirty to my handyman for that super easy job that takes a little bit. So that at 10 o'clock at night, when I have something go on that I need somebody to go to a property and I'm in Portugal, not only does my handyman accept the call, but thanks me for the work on something that sucks, like going into a crawl space in the middle of the night for something. Uh, so I'm happy to have somebody else, like Mike said, pay them for their expertise. Matt, why do you do it all yourself? Um, so money, 
It's a lot of money. It's, it's a lot, you know, on the GC. So as an example, if I gave up GCing on these deals, it'd be $90,000. I would be paying. Well, that, a that's a big number, but let's talk about the, I mean, that's what, 15 projects. It's 15. So it's three projects, three oh, projects. Okay. Three it's 15%. Projects. Okay. Um, so it's 90. So it's 90 grand I save there. And at the end of the day, I'm going to do a better job than that GC. I just am. They're going to want to bring all their subs to the game. I have all my own subs. So I can get the same, I get the favors because I'm just like, you know, I call my buddy Josh who owns the drywall company hmm. and I sent him a picture and I was like, seriously. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'll send it back. Thank you. And it's that kind of a, and, but it's hard to start out that way. However, in case of emergency this winter, when we got minus 47 wind chill. Yeah. We had five units where pipes broke. The issue is I could have picked up the phone. No one was answering. No one was answering. There were people that were without water for five days. None of my tenants were without water for more than six hours. And that's because I could jump out there. I don't expect my guys to do anything I wouldn't do. I worked 38 hours over the course of a three-day weekend. And I didn't mind doing it because I wanted to make sure everybody had water up and going, could use toilets, the whole nine yards uh, that, you know, I can't affect electric, but it's little things like that, that help us curate a great experience compared to our competition. Number one, number two is there's now a lot of state laws and, and federal laws that say it's got to be this temperature. You got to have running water in this amount of period of time, or you got to put them in hotels like that weekend cost me. I think 5,000 bucks out of pocket. I know people that had the same amount of breaks where it cost them $23,000 because they had to have other people. So it's all those hidden costs. Um, and then generally speaking, I just like, I, I like, a, I like most of my tenants. So uh, let me, let me push back. Cause I think one yeah. of the things that's different between the three of us on this topic is mm -hmm. I'm going to guess okay. when you finally give up your W2, mm -hmm you're probably going to enter or create or whatever you want to call it, a, a property management company where at least in the beginning, you'll be the largest provider of units, yes. but it's just because that is fun for you. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you're, yep. you enjoy it. So right? I think that, so I think we would probably have somebody run the property management company that I will start. We'll be right. our own biggest customer, but I do, I do much less in the field more. Now it's about, um, I ran out of oil so I can go buy, I can go grab five gallons and I have other people that can do it, but the liability, if I go do it less, no liability, less liability. If, if I have somebody do it, they have to have a license for that. The oh, issue okay. is, is that so often that tenant is like, well, it's been an hour. Hey, I was the one who ran out. You were the one not paying attention. That's on you. So you're just going to have to wait, get comfy, get a, get a fucking blank, get a blanket. Um, but, and that, and it takes, it takes a few hours. And so at the end of the day, I think I do enjoy it. I do a lot less now than I used to. Um, but where it differs for me now is it's much more, it's much more CEO where it's deployment of resources, but I know what things should cost. I know what things should look like. I can walk the job. You know, when you're typically doing a rehab, you're going to walk it after two or three phases, you're going to walk it after the demo. You're going to walk it after the rough. You're going to walk it after um, the sheetrock's been up. And then you're going to walk it as complete. 
So I'm going to walk it, you know, four or five times, make my, make my tweaks, make my adjustments. No, we have to move that. That has to be changed. I'm going to be able to catch that stuff. And it then gives it's me curating the experience for my tenants. Um, and I still like to know my buildings, you know, and that's something that was hard when Eliana was sick because there's still some buildings I've not even been in, but it's because they've been rather maintenance free. So I totally get why people don't want to do this. I think we've set up processes and systems um, like what you'll find in the course. Oh shit. I'm a landlord. Now what that I offer, we've set up those processes and systems that mean that you can kind of manage it the way that Dion does, but you understand when you're getting a quote, if you're getting ripped off. You know, like there's, it's amazing to me. Some of the quotes that people get, you know, somebody got a, a over $10,000 quote to repair a slate roof. And I was like, no, you, you go, unless the law tells you you have to stay slate, you go and you find a salvage company for slate. They'll come and take apart your roof for free, or they'll pay you for the slate. And then you have a brand new roof put on, and then you don't have a slate roof problem anymore. And you're going to do it for probably the same amount of money or less. And it's guaranteed for 30 years. So those are the types of things where, yeah, there's the advantage that I have there is that I know that I'm paying below market for the repairs and the work that I need done. And that's just another way to find, it's just another way to find margin. That's all. Yeah. Just another way to find margin. I think Mike, you make a great point with what do you like doing? What do you enjoy yeah, doing? Sure. And I think you guys on some level enjoy recycling capital you enjoy yes. the victory with the lender getting the great loan on the the money that you can then redeploy on a great deal that you found on a burr project or on, a, on whatever you're doing with it and i don't know that i've ever said this in a video before but i'm lazy yeah. <laughs> Never i don't said like that doing before. any of that yeah i don't want to put together the thumb drive of information that the lender needs yeah. to get the next loan done Sure, uh, so it. the least number of transactions that I could do to give me this was what I enjoyed. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, again, it's it's really funny. I kind of, for me, everything turns into a story. I I really do think I'm I'm playing the game of Monopoly in real life, right? Yes. With the different mm -hmm. colors, the different properties. That's, and again, that's why I found what I'm good at: finding deals and securing capital. That's what I do. Um, you know, Lumberjack, you know, does that as well, but he's also a tinkerer and a builder and, you know, he likes getting his hands dirty. I have no interest in that. Um, and then Dion, you, you kind of got your, you got your properties and you're like, I'm good. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, mm -hmm. um, and of course the binder strategy is just the best thing since sliced bread. If no, people don't know what that is. How can they get the free? You're still doing it for free, right? You still give it away? Free binder course. Yeah. So DionTalk.com has the free binder course on how you get your tenants to ask you to raise the rent. Works with Section 8, works at a distance, works with property management. Uh, it is, I would say it's the second most important thing as far as me being able to reach financial freedom. The first was house hacking. Like that, that strategy has impacted, I think, me and Matt more than almost anything else we've done. Yeah, by far. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 13 building or nine buildings in 13 years. Yeah. When the limit was four, you couldn't, you couldn't get another one. The only way you could do is if you own a rock. So yeah, that by far house hacking. Yeah. yeah. Well guys, thank you for this. Uh, thank you for being a part of Sunday. We're going to obviously add millennial Mike, which will add another kind of twist to all of this, him doing out of state uh, house hacking as well. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun folks. I will put a link below. If you want to join us, you're going to get three hours. We're going to, we could dive into your portfolio. We can talk about it. You know, whether you want to self-manage or not, we can talk about out of state. We can talk about recycling capital. Uh, and of course, we don't always agree, which hopefully will allow you to say this is this was one that feels right to me. Matt, how can people find you? 
Lumberjack Landlord on YouTube and Instagram. Normally 1130 a.m. Eastern time, we do our wonderful live stream, but we will be in another event and tired from that event. And then I still have boot camp in the afternoon, but I'm excited. I'm excited for us to hang out for a few hours and answer people's questions. There you go. And Dion, you, how can they find you? Right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom. Thanks, guys.